Glad to be here this morning. Finally told Byron, yes, I'd preach. And he tricked y'all a couple of weeks ago, remember? Said I was supposed to preach, but I forgot my notes. Well, that was not true. Now it's my turn. <laughs> my turn. Um, you know, it's, I just love the way the Lord works the kingdom. It's wonderful. This is just a just to say this. Um, Byron and I were driving in, and neither one of us could re- remember whether we turned our gas logs off or not. And so I came on in and dropped Byron off. I just felt like I was supposed to go back. And they were off, but... On the way back in, there was a car that had hydroplaned. It was up on its roof, and I just saw, you know, there were just a couple of people that had already stopped to help, but I just thought, okay, Lord, I'm here to pray. And so I just interceded, you know, all the way back. And that, that's the way the kingdom works. You just never know. The Lord just uses so many things in our life. Isn't, isn't that good? We need to always look at that, where that God's just working around us all the time. And if we just have eyes to see, I, I just think that's pretty tremendous. I've been praying for whoever was in that car. So thank you, Lord. Um, so I preached at Chapel Hill a couple of weeks ago, and um, I was wondering whether I had the right topic or not, because um, it's a message I've never really preached on before. But I feel like it's something the Lord's been really stirring in me for a while. And um, actually, it's on the church and the role of the church. And I just have really been chewing on that for a while. It's been something I feel like the Lord's just been really putting in my spirit. And, you know, for whatever reason, I think it's time to release that word. When um, I was praying about it, I pulled up. Philip always, my son plays bluegrass music, and when I was contemplating, I pulled up, he was out working one day, and I pulled up, and he was playing a a bluegrass song that says, let the church roll on, and I knew that the Lord was saying, yeah, this is the message, and just was able to release it at River Life Chapel Hill, which I have a real heart and passion, because we have a church plant there, and that just thrills me for the Lord to be expanding what he's done here, isn't that, it's just wonderful, and Thank you. If you think about our church plants, pray for them. We have one in um, at River Life uh, United Kingdom in England, and we have one, you know, in Chapel Hill, and we also have Rio de Vida, which is not actually a church plant, but it is, you know, a mission. You know, where we're really reaching out for what the Lord has given us. I this is what I just have been feeling lately is I feel God's heart for the church. I feel a passion for the church. And Byron and I have been in ministry now for, you know, 30 years. And it's funny that I just now be preaching this message, you know, (laughs) but I'm just feeling that right now. And, um, and just wanted to just give you some thoughts that I've been feeling on it. And one thing is, you know, I have had a lot of thoughts too. I've preached on evangelism a lot lot and getting outside of the walls of the church because God has really called the church out there too. And, you know, the Lord started speaking to me about, you know, it takes two wings to fly. And the wings we have, you know, we have our work and rest. We work and we rest. That's a way that we soar is by making sure that we work hard, but we also take time to rest because it's biblical is what's good for us. And there's also, you know, encounters with the Lord. We really go after having encounters with the Lord. But there's the other part of the Word, being in the Word. And that causes us to soar and fly when we have both of those things operating in our life. And loving God with a passion, but also loving people with a passion. We have, you know, we've had such a move of God's love in our hearts and loving Jesus. But, you know, we never forget, too, that we need to love one another and love the people around us. And that's another area where we have two wings to fly. And, and I thought the same thing with church life, that God has instituted the church. He called the church. He has put us in the church. It's, I believe it's his passion because he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we really do need to realize how valuable that the church is. I believe that if we, we're in a season where we're in a battle for it, where we have a whole set of people 
that have been raised in the church, okay, that is down to 10%. And if we leave the church to just 10%, we may see the church really at risk in the future. And I believe the church is the bedrock of society. The scripture actually says that it's the pillar and ground of the truth. And when the church begins, and I'm talking, I'm talking to you about the local church. I know there's the church at large where people are the church and the church worldwide. Those are the different definitions of the church. But there is the local church that is valuable. It is so valuable. Every church that is meeting this morning is holding ground in some way to our society. We may never know how much ground we're holding. We may never know till we get to the other side. But sometimes I've wondered, why in the world am I doing giving my life to the church? What is this? What is this? How, what is this about? And um, all I know is it's just from the, this is the truth. I was raised in the church um, three times a week. You just, there's no question. You're going to church. It's just the way it was. You know, I never had a problem with going to church. I liked it. Um, But, you know, something happened. I never really had a vision for church. And I think really what happened was when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 16 years old, my eyes opened. And I was put in a church that was... There was worship that moved me. There was word being preached that moved me. And I, at that point, my heart just bloomed for the church. I began working in the church at that point in children's ministry at 16 years old because I could, for somehow, just the Holy Spirit in me just stirred that this is something to really set my heart and mind to. And I just, today, really all I want to do, this is not going to be some personal message. It's going to be a message I pray that just stirs your vision again for the local church. And that's what I'm here to say and to give you today. So, um, you know, I believe by definition that our, I just want to go back to the two wings to fly, that it really does take being, it, being in a church. I do believe this in your spiritual life. I believe it's important. I don't believe people prosper as well when they're not in church. And if you don't come to church, I'm not, really, that's between you and the Lord. I'm not here to be on to anybody. And that, to me, is a heart thing. It's something God has to work in you. I'm just here today to tell you what I'm feeling. But I'm just saying, I don't believe spiritually because, because, let me tell you, in the second chapter of Acts, when the Holy Spirit poured out, we saw the birth of the church take place. We saw a big cosmic boom take place, and it's called the church. And from that point on, that's what you see happening. You see missionary journeys going out, planting churches everywhere, because it was the main way the gospel was spread. It's the main way we do missions. It's by having the churches a group of people that meet together. It's the ecclesia that we have a purpose in life where we not only have a purpose in strengthening one another, but we have a purpose in going out. And that's that two wings. And that day on the, in the book of Acts, when that big boom came, the Holy Spirit poured out. It's amazing. For 2,000 years, we see year after year after year after year, the church assembled together, the local church being in the bedrock of society, and it is throughout many different uh, many different denominations. It's not just spirit filled, charismatic. I believe that churches everywhere are holding ground in some capacity. Some have slipped, but still, I will tell you, they are still holding some sort of ground in the spirit realm. They really are. Many are. Many are. I've had friends that go to, I go to a Presbyterian church, and I'll tell you, they know the Lord just as well as I do. They spend time with the Lord just as much. They, they have a passion for Jesus just as much. They labor in the kingdom just as much. So we can't, I'm just talking local church. I'm talking local church, how bad, and fellowship. The fellowship, the value of having a group of people that we're connected to. I cannot have one thing in common with you, but I have one thing that's bigger than it all. It's the bond of the Spirit. There's something about that. 
when I look into the eyes of a believer that I'm connected to in a local church, there's just something amazing about that. Something amazing about it. So I've already given you the scripture, 1 Timothy 3.15, but you can put it up there that says this. This is what Paul was telling Timothy. If I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And I just love that. You see what I'm talking about? The pillar and foundation of the truth. That's the ground we're holding, the truth. We cannot afford to let this go. We can't afford to let a generation come up under us that doesn't have fervor for the local church. We can't afford that. Somehow, by the grace of God, this needs to go down through the ranks so that our, from generation to generation, we will see the pillar and the foundation of the truth prosper and continue. And then I love this, God's household. The church is God's household. How much more value than can you say about that? We're the household of God. That's pretty, pretty cool, right? It's pretty amazing to think of it that way. So, and I just, you know, and I think, you know, Jesus in the book of Revelation, he's addressing the seven churches. I mean, that's, he's given some, you know, the, the lowdown of the seven churches, even saying you're at risk, some of them, for losing your candlestick, your light. So we even have, at the end of the age, to the risk, you can see it, that Jesus is addressing the church. How valuable is that? How va- and, and then all the epistles were written to the church, written to local churches. How valuable is that? When you really begin to think about it. And I'm just, you know, I'm a, I just don't really know what has happened that we've lost ground in a lot of ways. But I'm asking the Lord, we, the intercessors pray often for what we're seeing in generations coming up under us that have lost vision for the church. And, um, and we're just asking for wisdom on it. We're, we're really truly asking for wisdom. And I pray you will too. I pray you will too. So if you'd put up Ephesians two nineteen, you can do go ahead and put two nineteen and twenty one. Did you get that one? You did it? So okay, let me just read it. No worries. Ephesians two nineteen and twenty one that says I'm just you know, how is the church gonna tell you what is our path forward? How do we really understand, okay, the how we're gonna just the purpose of the church and how we're going to move forward, just the value of it and how we're going to move forward. I think just hearing some simple teaching scriptures on it will just help give us fresh vision. And so now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm skipping ahead. I want to give you this. How will the church continue? Matthew sixteen, thirteen. Sorry, Denise. says, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you can, yeah. Simon Peter answered and said, Jesus is asking him, who do you, who, who the people say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. I think that was his name. Mine's not right. Son of Jonah. Yeah. Um, it says, blessed are you, um, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not overpower it. And what I felt like the Lord was really actually showing me about that is, you know, it was upon Peter. Peter did. The church was built upon him because he had a revelation of Jesus Christ. 
And that's really how we will all continue. It's how the church has always continued. It's people like Peter that just have something burning in them for Jesus. It's that simple because if we love Jesus, guess what? We love the church. Because you know what? The church, at the end of the age, will stand and be this brilliant bride that will be his wife. And so if we love Jesus... We love the church. And I believe that it's people through the ages that have had a revelation of who Jesus is. It's that, that's how the church continues, is upon that rock of revelation of who Jesus is and how valuable the church is. And there's been many people through the years that have stood the test, the test of time. Boy, that's loud right there. The test of time through the ages, if you really think about it, 2,000 years of people giving their life to serve the church. This, this church here, this very church, people have given their lives to serve this church. You know, churches in our past, the Lamb's Chapel, people gave their lives to serve the church. Why did they serve the church? Because they had a real revelation of who Jesus was, the Son of God, the Son of the living God, is something revealed by the Holy Spirit. And it was an impartation that came in. The church will continue that way by impartation of knowing that really what we're building about is Jesus. It's really about Jesus. It's really simply about being people that are sold out with a passion for the Son of God. We really know this is his church that we're building. This is not about us. This is not because we're, having, we're going to have a ministry. It's never been about that. It's been because we have a love for Jesus. And we want to serve what he loves. We want to serve what he loves. And if you've lost the vision... I just pray that somehow that will ring true in your heart. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. You know, I love this. Um, I'm just going to read this. This is the Mirror Bible. It says, I just wanted to stop first and say thank you to all the people in this room that over the years have served. I'm really grateful. I'm emotional today. This has been a message that's really been on me, but I'm really grateful for all the time, all your talents, all your money. It's changed my life. I wouldn't be who I am today without the church. Starting from Faith Baptist and Hamlet, a rural community that provided a bedrock for us as a family people served there and gave their life there's a girl there i like to call names named feeney she was a teenager on the back row with me swapping chewing gum wrappers and making things out of them and really she's really a pastor of that church even though she's the administrator she's really the pa- a pastor because she has stood through all the pastors that have come and gone and she's still there when my mom died she served us even though our family was not even still in that church they served us and that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about that's the bedrock of society church is good for us it's good for us to be a part of a family. Well, we have, and it goes beyond just liking each other. It's spiritual. It's a spirit bond that goes way beyond just, oh, I like you because the way you dress. You know, I do like people because of the way they dress sometimes. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, but I just think back. And, you know, and I think about the Lamb's Chapel. Byron and I were just little too skinny people from Rockingham and from the country. And we just had people that discipled us and brought us up and really just gave us such a depth to go after Jesus. 
We wouldn't have that today. We wouldn't have it. If it weren't for people that gave up their lives to serve the church. You know, and I think about this church. So many. And I'm just saying thank you today. Eldon Loberger, who started this church. He's going to be with the Lord now. His wife is still alive. But he started this church in his living room probably thirty year, over 30 years ago. And a group of people joined him. They met. You know, years down the road, Byron and I come into the equation, and other people do. And you're sitting here today in this atmosphere. This God has built through people. God's done this through people. And I'm, I'm just saying thank you. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. I just, you know, and he's faithful. He's going to build the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. So, amen. So, I want to say this. We, one way that I believe the church will carry on in health. Byron and I have been talking about this because, you know, there's a lot of unhealth, of course, in the church today. There probably always will be, you know. But you know how you love your kids no matter what? That's the way our daddy feels about us. And he just, people get their, you know what, in a wad, their panties in a wad, but about church because it's not perfect, you know. And it's never going to be perfect, ever. And just, we just have to get that through our head. We have broken people. Or, I mean, the church is full of broken people. Hurt people hurt people. Just the way it is. But there's one way that I believe that we can move. Or There's a lot of ways we can move. But one is remembering that Christ is the head. He's the head of the church. We're the body. Byron and I are not the head. Did y'all know that? We're not the head. Jesus is the head. And that's how we stay healthy, is by following him, following his lead wherever he goes. Because we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And the body is his hands and feet. And I want to give you this great verse out of uh, the Mirror Bible. It's Ephesians 1, 21 and 23. Don't put it up because it won't be anything like it. Um, okay, infinitely above all the combined forces of rule, authority, dominion, or governments, he, Jesus, is ranked superior to any name that could ever be given to anyone of this age or any age to come in the eternal future. I want you to see this. He subjected all these powers under his feet. He towers head and shoulders above everything. He is the head. Verse 23, in the ecclesia, the church is his body. The completeness of his being fills all in all. It resides in us. God cannot make himself, listen to this, more visible or exhibit himself more accurately than through us. We're his body. All that power and all that dominion that is in the head, okay? We're the body. All, that's, all that power and dominion, he's given it to us. And we, the church, this is why we're so valuable. We are exhibiting that life of God to the world around us. Be all that power, all that dominion, he's given it to us. And without the church, there would be a really bad problem in society. It would totally break down. I believe it would totally break down. I believe society would totally implode without the church. You know, in missions, they know this, where the gospel goes in and church begins, churches begin to be planted. Did you know everything begins shifting? A whole neighborhood can turn around by one church going into a neighborhood that's going after the Lord. It's because of that. Christ the head, we're the body, we're his, we're, we really are allowing his life to live, we're his life through us. So, 
I believe that's how the church stays healthy and will continue on, is by him being the head and us understanding that he's the head and allowing his life to live through us. So, amen. I love that. Um, I want to give you a definition that this guy gave. The word ecclesia comes from ek, ek, a preposition, always denoting origin. Ecclesia from kel means to identify by name or to surname. That's the word for ecclesia. So we're looking at our origin is God, and our surname comes from him. That's the church. Isn't that wonderful? And that's why we're the ones that his completeness, God cannot make himself more visible or exhibit himself more accurately than through the church. Isn't that wonderful? So, I'll give you Ephesians 2.19 now. Got it. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I'm just going to talk a little bit about just a couple things about our purpose. I've already really given you purpose, but this is another area. I love this. I love this a lot. Verse 20. Did I go on? Yep. In verse 20 says, And having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Verse 21. In whom the whole building being fit together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22. Whom you also are being built together for the dwelling place of the Spirit. And so I love that. That's just kind of a simple thing, isn't it? We're really made to be a dwelling place for the Lord. Isn't that great? We're a dwelling place. We're a dwelling place for him. If that doesn't motivate us to do church, I don't know what else will. If you've ever tasted one little smidget of experience in the Holy Spirit, you, you just are hungry for more. You just want to get more and more. And um, I just want to tell you this, that, you know, at times when you've been away for a couple of weeks or you've been sick and you can't get to church, don't you start thinking, i got to get to church. i got to get to church. I, I need something. And there's something different about just my private time. With the Lord, see, a lot of people think, oh, I'm good. i got my private time. God, Jesus, God, God has instituted this. He said it, not us. We didn't come up with this idea. Okay? So obviously he knew it was for our good, that we would assemble ourselves together. Don't you think? And uh, I think there's, you know, we assemble, we come together, we get a hold of the Lord, we worship together. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like coming together. I don't know what it is. It can't even be explained. But we come together. We worship The Holy Spirit begins moving. People start praying for each other. The preaching of the word goes out and it begins washing through our minds. That truth begins to penetrate our brains that has had so much coming against it through the week. There's there's something about that. There's something about somebody coming up to me. Brianna's coming up to me out of nowhere and reading my mouth. You know, just praying for me. And I just I end up a puddle on the floor. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, God has done this. It's not really necessarily for him. It's for us. This is for us. This is not like, oh, God wants me to go to church. No. This is like, we need church. I need church. I need to be in in that assembly. I need to be with my people. I need to be there. Because, you know, he's, it's because it's the dwelling place where his household is the dwelling place of the Lord. I love that. I mean, that's enough to get me excited right there. I mean, because I just love the presence of the Lord, and I know you do too. Who doesn't? If you really know him, if you've really experienced him, you just want to get more and more and more and more. You just can't ever get enough. Can't get enough. How about you? Can you get enough? Let me hear you. Can you get enough of his presence? Okay. Amen. I was a cheerleader in my day. 
Okay, I want to say this. There's another area that I believe is really one of the real keys that the local church is very, very valuable is this, is contending for the gospel. Somehow what we do here has a lot to do with holding ground for the gospel because that's the truth, the gospel message. And I think particularly the gospel of grace because there's so much gospel out there that tells people they've got to do something to earn God's favor and his love, okay, that I believe the church has to stand up in this hour and stand for the true gospel, which is this. It is really that we are saved by grace. It is not that of ourselves. It's a, it's a faith thing. Let me just tell you what I believe the gospel is. The gospel is this, is we have God himself who loved the world so much that he would refuse to leave us in the state we were in, fending for ourselves to keep ourselves righteous. Where every year we had to go do something to, to, to be good with God, okay? And so we have a God now who hung on the cross, took every bit of our sin, our failure. He absorbed it. And not only that, he gave us a gift of righteousness that we no longer work for or strive for. We've been given a gift. In fact, we've been substituted with a gift. We, we gave him our unrighteousness, and he gave us his righteousness. So now I'm not trying to be righteous anymore. I'm not trying. I'm trusting that what happened on the cross is good enough. It's done. All I do is trust in that, and then I live from that place, and I'm good to go. Because you know what? There's a lot more power living that way than striving and clawing and climbing and striving to get God's favor when his favor is already upon us. For God so loved the world that he gave everything he had to give so that we could be in favor with him. He's done it. And that's what we have to continue to is a church, our local church. I don't know about everybody else. I know their churches, but our church needs to contend for that. We need to stay together contending because there is a world out there that thinks God's mean and that he's hard to please. When he's not, he's a very loving father who loves his children, who he had a solution for our problem before we all we had failure. There was already a solution that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. There's a world out there that needs to hear it instead of that gospel that Paul was continuing himself to contend with all the time. It was already slipping during his day. So don't you know that we have to continue contending for the gospel according to grace. And I'm not talking about that people just live their life any old way. That's just not what it is. And every time you say grace, that's what people think. Oh, I don't know about that grace message. That's just giving people a license to sin. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Since I came into a revelation of grace, I believe my life has shifted dramatically until I love the Lord more. I believe I obey him more because you know why? It's not me. <laughs> hey, like that. It's not up to me. <laughs> I have a power at work in me. Grace. That's what grace is, is power. The only thing I do is yield. When I'm overwhelmed, I yield. When I'm in traffic and want to cuss, the thing you do is you yield to the Holy Spirit. When you're hurt and want to hold unforgiveness, you yield to the Holy Spirit. Okay? When I'm tempted toward things, fighting and striving and clawing is not the answer. The answer is this. I have a power at work in me called the Holy Spirit a gift of righteousness that operates in me that I yield to. And that's what we have to continue going after and, and know that that is 
that's the way the world's going to get saved. It's by grace. Say amen. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to read one scripture. Paul's actually talking about contending. I don't want to read all of them, but he's talking about contending for the gospel of grace. That's what he did. And he was given this message to the Gentiles. And you know what he was able to, he was called into the Gentiles, which they had never been able to be in before with God. Okay? And he was having this, he was given the message for the Gentiles. And this was his message. You're in. You're in. Guess what? You're in. You're included. Isn't that, is that not amazing? But you know what? You had people already slipping back. That's what he's addressing. People already slipping back into wanting to obey the law and do grace at the same time. Well, let me tell you, they don't work. You can't live by both, and the Scripture is very clear about that. It doesn't work, but if you're going to live by the law, you're going to have to obey all of it. This is Scripture, y'all, I promise you. If you're going to live by the rules, then you're going to have to obey all of them. That's the way it works. But if you're going to live by grace, guess what? you got a great power that will do more for you than you could ever do trying to live by the law because you're going to fail. The enemy knows it. He'll come right after you. In fact, the Galatians, this is what Paul said, who's bewitched you. Do you know that means witchcraft? That the enemy loves that stuff. He loves for us to try and strive and claw and scream. He does. And try to get in favor with God. It doesn't work. So we have the grace at work. But I'm going to give you, this is one scripture about the church that I love. It's always really minister to me. Paul is addressing that he has been, you know, his, his job is to the Gentiles that now they're included. But I want to read verse 9. He also says this, I've been given this task all by the gift of grace. Even our ministries are all gifts, they're graces. So here's what he says. My passion is to enlighten every person to this divine mystery. It was hidden for ages past until now and kept a secret in the heart of God, the creator of all. The purpose of this, now listen to this, was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm God's full and diverse wisdom revealed through the church. Now tell me church is not important. Church is actually saying something to the angelic realm and to the powers in the spirit realm. All that we are, all that he's done in us is actually, there's some kind of thing going on, okay, (laughs) that we don't fully understand that we are on display. I mean, it's just what it says. We're on display in the orders of the heavenly realm. That is powerful, very powerful. And, um, I love that. So, really love that. Mm. One of the things that's really easy to think about is this. So, it's easy to fall from grace. And I like this scripture here. It's Galatians uh, 5.1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in your liberty. With Christ, where Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. It's talking about the law. It's talking about the law. It's not talking about sin. It's talking about the law. Y'all get that? Say the law. That's a yoke of bondage. Okay? Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. There it is. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. 
That's it. That, that pretty much sums it up. And I'm telling you, this is the most wonderful life God has given us. When we were singing this morning, oh, you set me free. Oh, you set me. That's what he set us free from, the bondage of trying to do something we really could never do anyway. And here's another verse that says this. Okay, love this one too. Let's see if I can find the one. Oh, this is, this was um, a verse, this is Galatians 2.21. I do not set aside, I don't think I gave you that, the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died in vain. And then I want to give you the mirror Bible. I love this one. It is an insult to the grace of God to prefer Moses to Jesus. If the law could justify you, then Jesus wasted his time dying your death. And he goes on in Galatians 2.20. We say this a lot around here. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live. Okay, don't you? But Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And I want, there's another verse, and I'm going to tell you the key to living by grace is simple this, live in the Spirit. If you live in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. It's that simple. We've been given the Holy Spirit. And it's also the key to church. Holy Spirit. He's the key to church. I, one of my favorite sayings is this. I tell people this a lot, that grace is a greenhouse. And I believe particularly in an atmosphere of relationships in church. There's something about in an atmosphere where grace is established, okay, where we're, we're realizing this, that I'm not holding you to a standard, which is religion, that I can't keep myself. Because you may be failing in one area, but I may be failing in another one. Okay, so I'm just saying to you, grace creates a greenhouse because there's, it allows the Holy Spirit to do what he does through people. And when we see failure, it's not our job to go set them straight. Sometimes we do, but it's all, even that's in grace. And I believe, it, I believe that grace is the currency of heaven, it releases the atmosphere of heaven in a room, and I believe it causes every oxygen and all the elements that it takes for life and vitality that happens. And I will tell you this, I believe we've had that atmosphere here at River Life, and I'm really grateful for it. And when, you know, we're not perfect, of course, by any chance, but I just, you know, it's really, really important. And I want to give you a real, one verse that I love, too, that says, when Jesus came in grace and truth, Grace, he came, grace for grace, that verse, I've got it. Do you know what that verse means? It means that grace keeps replenishing. It's like a river flowing. It just keeps replenishing. And so it's, a lot of people understand grace, that it is we get saved by it, but they don't understand that we live by it. And that's a, that's a you know, you can just, everybody and his brother knows you get saved by grace. But we really do live by it because it's grace for grace. Every time one element of grace rolls out, there's new grace coming in for the day. That's how we live. It's grace for grace. I love that. So, so that's one of the, our purposes, y'all, in this church is, is to contend for the gospel of grace. It really is. And, you know, we all have grace living in and through us, and I love it. And... Um, I want to give you one more point, and then I'm going to be done. One thing that the Lord has spoke to me over and over about another value of why we assemble together is this, is an open heaven. I believe that, you know, Jesus said this, I, I prophesy this eternal truth. From now on, you will see an open heaven and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway reaching into, into the sky. And this is what I, that David said this, this is, I've always loved it. It's until, I say this, until I went into the sanctuary. In Psalm 73, 16 and 17, we won't put it up because I want to finish. David was bemoaning the fact that it looked like 
that the right that the wicked were prosperous and he was not. His frame of mind was really bad. He had stinking thinking going on. Okay? But he says this verse in here. He's like going down the list of how bad things look, how terrible it is. But then he says this, until I went into the sanctuary. That's what he says. Until I went into the sanctuary, then I discerned their end. He begins to get the heavenly perspective. Isn't that great? And so I believe when we gather, because we're his dwelling place, because we're the body of Christ, he's the head, we're the body, we're in a greenhouse effect when we gather because we all have Holy Spirit living in and through us. And, they were given, and the liberty that's in place there. I believe there is something about, you know, it's what I said some days when you're just in bad shape, when you think, I just need to get to church. Do you know that's why? Because you need to get in an atmosphere where the truth is being preached, where the atmosphere is the heavenly realm, where you're, you're actually getting information from, listen, guys, this carnal world, this natural world is beating us to smithereens all the time. We're, we're just, we're, we need to come together and get the heavenly perspective. It's a great benefit of church. And it's a great benefit of getting people in the church. Because how many times have you come in this place really beat up and you walked out of here? I'm good. Man, I'm good. The Lord touched me today. People prayed for me. I'm in good shape. I'm going out of here. I'm in better. I won't, I'm not leaving here the way I came. You know, you will not leave here the way you came. And that's what we just say. This is important. We cannot allow this to slip away. We cannot do it. And I'm just excited, you know, that I believe God's going to renew vision and passion for the church. I really do. And, um, would you stand up a minute? And I just want to pray over you because I really want to go for the impartation. How we all? Louise is going to translate. Well, Father, we come before you today. Padre, venimos delante de ti hoy. And we just reach out our hands to you. Extiende tu mano, hermano, hacia el, hacia nuestro padre. And we say we want to love what you love. Te queremos decir queremos amar lo que tú amas. We want to esteem what you esteem. Queremos apreciar lo que tú aprecias. Lord, we want to see what you see. Queremos ver lo que tú ves. Concerning your church. Aquello que se trata sobre tu iglesia. We ask you to give us new eyes. Te pedimos que nos des nuevos ojos. To see the value. Para ver el valor. Of the local church. De la iglesia local. Forgive us. Perdónanos, Señor. Lord, when we have undervalued the church. Cuando hemos despreciado a la iglesia. And we're asking you, Holy Spirit, right now. Espíritu Santo ahora to mismo come. Que vengas. And renew our vision. Y renueves nuestra visión. Renew our vision for the church. Renueva nuestra visión come por on la iglesia. us now, Lord. Ven sobre nosotros ahora. Let us see. Permítenos ver. Eyes to see. Danos ojos para ver. And ears to hear. Y oídos para oír. Lord, and show us our part. Muéstranos nuestra show, parte, Señor. Show us our part to play. Muéstranos la parte que nosotros Lord, tenemos. these grace gifts you've given us. Estos dones que tú nos has dado. Show us how to use them. Muéstranos cómo usarlos. Don't let them lie dormant. No permitas que queden dormidos. Lord, we just say we lift out our hands to you. Señor, levantamos nuestras and manos a ti. And we're asking for those grace gifts. Por esos regalos de la gracia. To be renewed. Que sean renovados. We're asking to renew these great gifts. Lord, let us be your hands Señor, and feet. Permítenos ser tus manos y tus pies. Lord, to the for the world around us. Al mundo que está alrededor nuestro. For the church first. Para la iglesia primero. For our families. Por nuestra familia. For our friends. Para nuestros amigos. And then the world around us. Y después us. al mundo que está alrededor nuestro. Oh, Lord, we're asking you to come. Señor, te pedimos Move que vengas. Move on our hearts. Te muevas en nuestro Move corazón. Move on our minds. En nuestras mentes. Raise up men and women. Levanta hombres y mujeres. To serve your church. Que sirvan a la iglesia. Raise up young people. Levanta a los jóvenes. Raise up pastors. Pastores. Raise up prophets. Profetas. Raise up teachers. Maestros. Raise up evangelists. Raise up apostles. Apostles. Lord, stir up gifts. Oh, Señor, derrama Raise de tus them dones. up. 
Levántalos. Lord, we ask you particularly Señor, te pedimos en particular with our children, por nuestros niños, with our young people, por nuestros adolescentes, to renew their vision, que renueve su visión, and their passion, su pasión, to love what you que love, aman, que amen como tú amas, to serve what you serve, que sirvan a la iglesia como let tú la sirves. Déjanos verlo, Señor. Don't let this language. Oh Señor, no permitas que disminuya. Oh Lord, we ask you in Jesus name. Te pedimos en el nombre de Jesús. En el nombre de Jesús. Jesus name. En el nombre de Jesús. For the sake of Jesus. Por el, oh, por Jesús. Because we're your bride. Porque Señor somos tu we're novia. We're the bride of Christ. La novia de Cristo. It's important. Es importante. Help us to see it. Permítanos ver. Help us to see. Permítanos ver. Lord, help us to stop undervaluing the church. Señor, ayúdanos a no disminuir a la iglesia. Thank you, Lord. Gracias, Señor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, empowerment. I feel empowerment oh, coming right now. Poder que está empowerment. Sobre oh, nosotros ahora. yeah, empowerment. Oh, poder. oh empowerment. Oh, ahora. Ahora. From the Holy Spirit. Espíritu Santo. Oh, empowerment. Ahora, from the Holy derrama. Spirit. Oh, levanta tu mano, oh mano. empowerment. Oh. oh, from the Holy Spirit. Espíritu Santo. Thank ahora. you, Lord. Gracias, Señor. Thank you. Uh, gracias, Señor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Put your hand over your heart. Pon tu mano sobre tu corazón. Lord, just do what you do. Señor, haz lo que tú haces. Lord, I ask you for a fresh revelation of grace. Te pido por una revelación fresca de la gracia. On each and every person here today. En cada persona que está aquí. Lord, your your acceptance. Tu aceptación. Your love. Tu amor. Your favor. Tu favor. It has nothing to do with our performance. No tiene nada que ver. Lord, we, we thank you for the free gift. Te damos gracias por este don, este regalo. Of salvation. La salvación. Thank you that it's a free gift. Gracias que es un regalo. We just take it today. Lo tomamos, lo we recibimos, lo recibimos. Oh, we take it. Oh, lo recibimos. We receive it, Lord. Lo recibimos, Señor. We receive it. Lo recibimos. We set aside. Lo ponemos a un costado. We set aside. Ponemos a un costado. Lord, our own works. Señor, nuestras propias our obras. Own efforts. Nuestros propios esfuerzos. And we receive y recibimos now ahora. This free grace. Esta gracia this gratis. Free gift. Este don gratis. Thank you, Lord. Gracias, Señor. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Gracias, Señor. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.